0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media.
1: Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. What's up, downers? Welcome back to the show. Are y'all getting as sick of the journalism out there as I am? And I don't even know. I mean, it's not like I know anything about journalism, but it's just I, I used to be able to like get news on Twitter and Facebook and like, you know. Find stuff I liked and think it was reasonable. And now I just feel like I'm hit and bombarded with crap that you can't trust. And I'm, you know, got to pretty much have the feeling that it's just to either persuade me into something or sell me something. And I thought the point of it was to inform me of my interest to pursue knowledge further about stuff that I care about. And we've kind of lost our way with news and media and journalism, I think, in a lot of regards there. But I can tell you there's some bright spots out there. I found a new uh, email that comes to me from The Hustle. And I have the managing editor, Lindsay Quinn, in to talk to today. She is uh a... Let me tell you how I found it is Toby sent it to me because he said he was getting these emails that uh, were really good, good little news blurbs and stuff that I would like. And I went to their website, and they explained it this way. It's like your smart, good-looking friend that sends you an email each morning with all the tech and business news that you need to know for the day. Now, what's brilliant about this is these articles are short, and they try to craft these emails so, that they're enjoyable and useful and will cause you to want to read the emails every day versus go out and market and bombard you. They're trying to cultivate people that get good quality content that they actually care about. And it, you know, works on me. Anyway, I thought it'd be nice and neat to talk to Lindsey Quinn, who is the managing editor, about this philosophy, how it works, and, you know, just chat about it. I think we did that and had a good conversation. You're going to like it. Uh, let me tell you also that you got to come see Emory play on the West Coast. I'll get the tour dates in here. Basically, I'm not even going to tell you the tour dates, but if you live in anywhere between Seattle uh, down to San Diego and then make a left turn to Phoenix and El Paso, that's the first week of June for me, coming up very soon. So go to emorymusic.com, find our tour dates there, come see a show. We've got a really cool VIP uh, experience, very important person, which is such a... Silly term, I know. But it is. You can People that want to come and and get to know us a little bit more, we'll do some Q&A and play some acoustic music and shake hands and take pictures with all the people that really care. But you can get all that at emorymusic.com. Looking forward to seeing you. And as always, you can get uh, rock and roll merch from mem- rockabilia.com. You can get your memorabilia from rockabilia.com. And uh, you can get 15% off there when you get, I don't know, get a rancid shirt. I always just thought, try to think of some classic punk thing that pops in a Misfits uh, patch. How about that? Get that kind of stuff at rockabilia.com and use my code PCJabberjaw and you'll get 15% off whatever you order. Okay. Enjoy the episode. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's Yeah. I
0: live in San Francisco.
1: In San Francisco. Actually. Is that is where hustle.com is?
0: Yeah, that's where the Hustle headquarters is. We have an office hustle, in yeah. Austin, and then we have a couple remote people. In LA and um, uh, Minnesota, actually.
1: And I said the hustle. I said hustle.com, but that that ain't it. It's the hustle co is the website, yes, right? Okay, that's right. Well, let's just start right away talking about that and that company. I got, I found it because uh, Toby, who reached out to you originally, he does. He likes these email lists. He's on a whole bunch of email mm-hmm. lists, and he found your writing and your articles delivered to him. The email and shared it with me and i thought that was really cool too so it got me a little interested in just thinking about the trends and technology and news and writing and journalism all these things are kind of interesting i'm a uh podcaster which just means i like to talk and not have to sit down and do writing and you know what else i hate Mm -hmm. is reading i just don't like i'll just be full full disclosure here I hate reading and writing. It feels like homework. It feels like schoolwork. Feel I'm not very good at it, but I love communicating. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, well, you know, yeah,
0: podcasts and newsletters, both two very trendy things mm-hmm. and uh, so, right now. <laughs>
1: and, and so I'm, I'm just always thinking, like, I feel bad. I'm not saying writing is bad. It's good. It's such a better way to organize your thoughts and get them coherent and dense and tight and right and be accountable and have a paper trail. Plenty (laughs) of upsides to text that I'm okay with. It's a big part of human development uh, or societal development. But... I'm curious, from your point of view, what you where you see things moving in the future, like just the fact that people are doing email now is interesting, mm-hmm. and where's writing going, and the news. Uh, this is super broad, but and we'll find somewhere to anchor here, but what yeah. does that bring up for you, all, the convergence of all those things? Yeah, I mean, yourself? well,
0: so it's funny because, uh, you know, email, I think you could see it almost, it does seem funny because it seems like a step backwards, mm-hmm. right? You know, I you could make the argument that email is dead and who uses email. It's all online. Everyone uses uses Facebook, that sort of thing. Um, but the interesting thing about email is that it's a very intimate kind of setting. You know, if you you're sending someone a message and it feels like one-on-one and mm-hmm. I think podcasts are actually kind of, it's kind of similar. So, um, if you think about a radio broadcast, obviously that's an old school, that's a medium that's been around forever, but you can actually have a, Feel like you're having a conversation with someone and when mm-hmm. someone listens to you they're they feel like you're talking directly to them in a way um and that's kind of what we've capitalized on with the hustle so we purposefully write in a way that's really conversational and mm-hmm. easy to read and really accessible um and we try to one of our main principles is we write how we talk
1: Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. That's why I like it. That's why that's why I thought it was so interesting. You said that better than I would have identified. That's what I like about it.
0: Yeah. So it's like if you read it out loud, you wouldn't sound like a crazy person right. or a robot. You know what I mean? Um I think you can read a lot of stuff online that's not really written for people to read. It's a really weird thing. Um totally. They're written it's either written for other writers or it's written for industry insiders or something like that. But if you actually read it out loud, you would sound insane.
1: Yes, <laughs> that is totally true. Okay, now I'm okay. This is great. I'm in, I'm very excited to continue to talk about this. So, I gotcha. Yes. yes okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a good groove for me. the The thing that is weird to me is a lot of stuff. Yeah, it seems like t- some things are moving and emails, weird, but you're saying it's intimate to be in. The email, like in the same way that podcast. now I'm I'm listening to Matt and Lindsay talk right now. That's how a lot of people must feel, like they're sitting at the table with us, basically. Yeah, yeah. You're saying exactly. in the email inbox, there's a sense of intimacy that you're reading it in your box, and that comes across totally differently than if you're reading it on a page of, you know, slate.com. That feels different yes. being in a browser, reading a professional article yes. with the, all the stuff. Is that part
0: exactly of that? that said? It can go really wrong when you try to delete, when you send spammy emails, right? So mm-hmm. there are a ton of newsletters. Like every company has their own newsletter because they feel like they're supposed to have one. So it's like, you know, every, it's just a thing that you're supposed to have. And you're like, oh, I sent, as a marketer, you're like, okay, I sent an email every day today to our customers. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is, you're kind of breaking that sense of trust when you send someone an email and it's not personalized and it doesn't sound like it came from a human being. You know, when someone opens that, they're like, what, what? Like, who is this? Why? Like, who is this person spamming my, my inbox? Yes. Um, so it can turn against you really quickly if you kind of betray that
1: sense of trust. The tone is very important and it's the way right. you talk to people and it's, you know, it's the same thing that's going on. The parallel I suppose would be what in the fuck do news to casters talk that way for it is the weirdest thing if you just tune it's in and watch so especially weird. the local news but even yeah. the the nightly news it's just who are you talking this weird way for what re like it's well, so foreign yeah. feeling now and it, it's, it's like, not updated it's bizarre
0: it's like when you listen to uh, or when you watch like old-timey movies and they have the transatlantic uh kind <laughs> of like ah, da, 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 da. you know yeah. they have that weird uh ac- accent mm-hmm. affect and that's changed, but it's just become a different thing. So, like, I could I listen to the news to fall asleep sometimes oh, yes. <laughs> um, because it's got this like cadence of speaking that you can just tune out really easily. Um, and you can do the same with writing. You can read, I've ri- like read. Paragraphs of text where I'm like, I have mm-hmm. no idea what I just read. Mm-hmm.
1: You know because what I it's, mean? And it's you... lost that that real sense of communication or yeah. the urgency or vulnerability yeah. or intimacies, all those things is so professional and removed. Exactly. But, but maybe there's an evolution to that though, because, like, you know, if you see, like you're saying, the old timey movies or broadcasts, you hear them on the radio and they're talking like this, see, because they came around right. and, and it, you would imagine. That Oh, man, back in the 40s and 30s, that's, it was so cool. I imagine people went around talking like that in their everyday life. No, they didn't. No. They didn't, nobody talked like that. Nobody talked like that then. But if that's no. all the archives we have of people talking is in this fake way that they were talking then for exactly. the news or the movies. And it's the same now. Nobody talks that way. What, what are we, mm-hmm. and, and it's like as media progresses, it's like we get to, as a society, the reward for working hard is you get to be more informal. Which is a mm-hmm. good thing, I think. Now there must be people out there that like formal stuff, but I'm the opposite sure. of that person. If there's a possibility for something to be informal, that's my choice. Well, that's and what I, I always like.
0: Yeah, and there's I think there's the connotation of you know if you're informal, you're not going to sound legit or credible or that sort of thing. But you can do a really really well researched original article that is written in terms that are accessible mm-hmm. and easy to understand and break a topic down you know, um, without talking down to people even.
1: Yeah. It's like you have to to validate yourself. And that's, is that what you're talking about or about writers writing for writers? You're writing to validate yourself and the use of your vocabulary and the stuff just to make sure you're above scrutiny. But you don't do that when you're talking to a person, you just talk at their level, I guess for the, it's for the person. Yeah. That's what it is. If you're with somebody, you just adjust automatically directly to talking to them and Mm -hmm. you know if somebody if you know that thousands of people are listening to you or or a dozen people your tone changes like it just does
0: and that's so funny too because people send people will send news newsletters to thousands and thousands of people that you ask them especially marketers you'll ask them like was that interesting would you send that to a friend and they're like no Mm -hmm. like that was just we just had to send that because Mm -hmm. it's what we do yeah and that's crazy to me like yeah. if you wouldn't send it to one friend of yours, why would you send it to thousands and thousands of people? Good. Point. The logic is just insane.
1: So how how are you arrived? Like yeah, you're right about that because this is an technically what would be considered a email list or spam to a lot of people somebody recommended to me directly, hey, you would like these emails. You know how those emails Mm -hmm. clog up up your inboxes? Get this one. You'll be glad when you (laughs) get it. Well, like, why is that so hard to create? You know, there's only one other email that's like that. There's somebody in the music industry that I know. He's a manager and he handpicks all these reports each week for who sold what and what the concerts are doing well and not. And he just sends that out just to do it. And I just love it. I get it every single week. It's got relevant information. There's no Mm -hmm. exchange of nothing. It's just like, thank. And then he's on top of, I'm like, that guy's badass. And he yeah. sends out an email and, I, you know, it can't be that hard to, for people to start figuring out how to communicate to people better and directly. How did y'all, how did the hustle and you get to like, how much of this is studying or innovating or being creative? Because people are just stuck in the old habits, but how did y'all yeah. get to, to where yeah. you're Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it's funny because I think a lot of our, uh, we all come from pretty non-traditional backgrounds mm-hmm. as, you know, as it pertains to media. Um, none of us have traditional media backgrounds that were the first people or none, none of the founding core members um, have traditional media backgrounds. Probably a good thing. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's a weakness in some ways, but it's also a strength because we look at things with fresh eyes and um, the things we write about are things as people, not just as writers or journalists or, you know, media producers we want to read about. So, Mm um, like we just talked about, we were kind of sick of reading business news that was super inaccessible and kind of written for industry insiders. Um, But we are all really entrepreneurial people. So we love hearing stories about how people built businesses and market, interesting market trends and just dynamics that people maybe on the outside think is like are boring or, you know, not interesting and breaking those down and making them super accessible and relatable to people. So
1: yeah. And one of the things this you say accessible, I would say, I would have, that's probably a better word. I would say short. I mean, is there, you know, it seems like yeah. almost all of these articles are so short. So it's so totally. Nice to So get our, to.
0: our daily email is business tech news. It's typically four or five stories. They're 200 to 300 words long, usually mm-hmm. not longer than that. Um, and the premise is just that it's a quick read. You can read it in five minutes. So, or less on your way to work and you're gonna sound smarter to your coworkers. That's when exactly you
1: get done. right. Well, I mean, I'm not even thinking that far. I'm just thinking it's this is stimulating information to yeah. me. And that's what it is. So I'll give an yeah. example here. I actually wrote down some articles I like and we can talk about the topics themselves if that works sure. for you too. Perfect. Um, but I'm interested in it because I've I've absorbed a lot of information from you specifically in an incredibly short amount of time. So just let me say thanks. That's that's what it's all about, you know. That's the goal, yeah. Um, and, Smarter, it's, and, and yeah, especially in text, because like I said, I don't like that medium. Like yeah. I could sit all day and learn a couple things and enjoy a conversation, fine. But if I'm gonna sit down and read something on a screen, I just need to get the good info. I need it dense. <laughs> yes. I need it short. And I need it to be relevant. And you do such a good job with it. Um, like these are like four paragraphs long, and they just—would uh, you call it? Some of it, like just reporting, as it as far as journalism goes, it, it's not a ton of opinion here. It's just giving I mean, me info. yeah, How we'll do, do that?
0: yeah, we um sometimes we'll have hot takes that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but um, only where it's truly warranted. Mm-hmm. We typically it's like a rundown or a brief, you would call it um, summary of like the most important things that happened in the story.
1: It's like uh, you know Cliff Clavin on Cheers, yeah. It's like he, this is the kind of stuff that he would – I mean, it's, this is more focused on tech news and things like sure. that, but it's just this information that's interesting. You know, you're right. You can yeah. take this and be, be smart. Now, I know people make fun of Cliff, but that's the point. <laughs> He's the guy there that goes, well, did you hear about 5G, the te- yeah. 5G technology? And right. then he'll tell you two or three things about it, and that's about right. all anybody needs to know. Exactly. Anyway, I was reading an article that – did you write this one about the 500 billion global race for 5G Ooh, Technology.
0: I did not write that one. That was our writer Connor.
1: Okay, well, I thought that I, m- not, I might have misnavigated yeah, navigated great. to it, but that was from from you guys' stuff. I don't remember mm-hmm. it was a- email or yeah, it was from email. But um, so it all it does is just it's got an introductory paragraph here and says we're entering the home stretch for the global race on five G wireless, defending four G champ behind in China, South Korea. This is how people scan stuff, by the way. They mm-hmm. just get guess about how I read. Okay, totally. got it, got it, got it. Five G is such yeah. a big deal. Okay, put it. To put it to you this way, the, it, it starts talking about the 5G, the difference in 3G, 4G, and 5G, all in about a paragraph. And it here, then right there, I'm, I've only scanned a couple paragraphs, and I'm locked in on 5G systems support 1,000 more devices per meter than 4G. That Ooh. is very useful. Yeah. They use higher frequencies and antenna, and they, uh, they get through buildings better and all that stuff. And now this is what's crazy uh, is it says that – that I'm sorry. Okay. When America won, the, it was like a big race here to see who's going to get five, 4G and get it up in the fastest and get it working. Because we were, what were we on before that? What was it we were calling
0: Before it? 4G? Yeah, what
1: was it? It we was just 3G before that, 3G. Right? <laughs> yeah, we are just on 3G before that. And I remember when 4G yeah. came out, but I didn't notice, I didn't know this. It said it boosted the domestic GDP by $100 billion
2: Yeah. and
1: led to an 84% increase in wireless industry employment. And now we're talking about going to 5G and it's even tighter race. And my gosh, the potential wins and losses even more.
0: Right. I mean, and that's a pretty technical story, right? That's Mm -hmm. a highly technical, decently dry story. But the biggest things, I mean, the big thing is we hit the news lead, tell you why it's important and what the stakes are. And that's really all anyone needs to know, right? Yeah how the news applies to them and how they can use it in their day-to-day lives.
1: Well, on something like that, though, like, uh I should do another, I'm kind of interested in this topic, but I want to do one you wrote so I can ask you specifically, but on something well, like...
0: I, I edit them all, so... Okay, you edit them all, so that... <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I know that story. <laughs> okay,
1: well, so tell me where does the information, like, how does it work that the person that wrote this, or if you write this, how do you mm-hmm. get the idea? How long do you spend on it, and what are all the sources? I mean, there's no sources and all something which doesn't bother me, of course, but what... You know, what's the yeah. anatomy of how this article gets produced?
0: Yeah, so uh, perfect. I, uh, I, I have eyes on the final product every night, so if you ask me about a story, I would probably be able to tell you about specific paragraphs mm-hmm. uh, in there. Um, but the way it works basically is we use news aggregators, RSS feeds um, to pull in hundreds of different news sources that we pay attention to, um, and they, it's basically like a Twitter feed for pu- online publications. You
1: created your own feed. You customize yes. it. Yeah, and then find exactly. the things that are interesting. Is is curation? Yeah, it's curation, in yeah, sense, it's curation is the, is the for those process.
0: for for the daily. It's typically curation. We'll get past stories um, on embargo through PR people and that sort of thing. We don't typically accept articles that are submitted unless they're really good news leads, but a lot of them aren't super strong. So we kind of pick and choose there, but um, mostly curation. And uh, then we have a morning editorial meeting um, every day where we we have like a writer's room and we all pitch stories that we think are interesting. And then we pull out the top four or five that we think we want to write about. And usually it's a mix of Strong news leads. So like this event happened, this company raised this amount of money, you know, this company's going out of business, that sort of thing. Market trends. So we've talked about like the CBD industry, the Mm -hmm. uh, alternative milk. I think we wrote a story this morning about oat milk, Mm -mm. uh, which is kind of funny because apparently oat milk is the new hotness right now. Um, And then just kind of offbeat stories that we personally think are interesting. We wrote, a story about the uh, about American Airlines actually a couple weekends ago. Uh, Hold on,
1: test me. Is it the one about their lifetime pass ticket? Yes. See, I read yes. that one.
0: And that's the Sunday story. That's mm-hmm. our Sunday email, which is a little bit different than our daily. It's more focused on. It is a little yeah. bit longer form, but it's all broken up by images, and you know, it's pretty easy to read. Um,
1: Tell people about that story while we're here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So American Airlines back in the eighties. They were trying to attract more customers because the airline uh, industry was deregulated, all this stuff. So they rolled out this lifetime pass to that was about $250,000 to their most uh, high-frequency flyers, basically. So mm-hmm. one of those people was Mark Cuban, and then there were about 20 of, 28 other people that got the pass as well. And that basically guaranteed them unlimited flights for life. Yep. Or so the contract promised. So there were literally these guys, they took 10,000 flights in a year. Uh, <laughs> this guy would fly to London for lunch. He would fly across the country for his kids' soccer games. He would fly his kids like around the world to for a school project. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> they just took it to the limit. You know, I mean, they're like, it says unlimited. We're, we're going to use it.
1: It's just like and movie pass, right?
0: Yeah, exa- it's movie pass to the extreme. Yeah. Exactly, right. Uh, this is movie pass's biggest, like, greatest nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, the airlines caught on, and they set out to basically revoke these people's passes, and they succeeded in a couple of cases. Some people still have them, but.
1: So they still He's have to still make good guys. on certain ones. Is Mark Cuban still fly free?
0: Mark I think Mark Cuban still flies <laughs> free. We'll
1: see. But that is funny. Um,
0: it was a pretty crazy story. It seems like they really didn't do the math on that one. <laughs> no.
1: Well, they did bad math on it and they didn't account right. for the future much. Right. But um, what is a uh, what when you when you're at the meetings and you pitch five ideas and then you go, people mm-hmm. the writers all go and write them that day and they come back mm-hmm. at the end of the day and it's done?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um so it's a combination of writing, you know, creating funny images for the stories, um, and then we do kind of like a round robin edit. And tell me yeah. about
1: that. What, you, what is it, what is the editing so, like? Like in you know, the yeah, picture, yeah. is it just getting criticism, or do you fix it for them, and or, or do they get say? Do you argue? What happens?
0: Well, it's it's a pretty transpa- transparent process. So we it's all just about getting a second set of eyes. Usually stories will be finished. Um, and then either myself or one of the other writers will do a first round of edits for kind of clarity and flow. And really what that's about is just getting to the crux of what's interesting in the story and cutting out everything else you don't need. So it's making sure every sentence serves a purpose and isn't just in there as nice. you know fluff or filler or that sort of thing. So that's the main thing.
1: And is that something that you do to their work or recommend to their work?
0: It uh, depends. Usually, um, I, I'll just—it's ma- not super extensive because the, sor- the stories are pretty short. I'll typically just make the changes myself. But if it's you know a major kind of question in terms of clarity or a plot point or factual inaccuracies or something like that, I'll typically pass back to the writer to clarify or fix or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Um. And so, let's see. I got a bunch of different things. I want to do some more stories. Yeah. Um. That are interesting to me. You did one. That I know this one was you. You did one where you wear the same clothes every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: I'll uh I'll disclose. To, uh, you tell you tell them about that. Just tell them about your experience with that. But that was so cool because you did this whole experiment and it's still a three paragraph. Article that I, you know, consumed right there, and right? Yeah. I thought that was great, but I have thoughts on that particular article. Yeah, go ahead and tell people about your. Well, experience there's there. a lot.
0: Yeah, there's a longer version on our website, but the in oh, okay. uh, the in email one was super short. Um, you know, basically, that I'll just preface this with: I come from, I'm from the Midwest. The work culture there is super buttoned up. Uh. And so, I moved out here and when I started working out here, I was like, this is amazing. You can wear hoodies to work Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's not a big deal. And so, I was like, what if I just push that to the limit and uh, wear the same thing every single day? Wear my favorite pair of shoes, favorite jeans, favorite shirt, well, multiple of the same shirt, but, you know, um, every day for 30 days. Do the whole Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone... That's the other thing. Uh, in Silicon Valley, there's this militant productivity culture. Yeah. So, you know, there's people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg who are like, I don't have to. I don't have to decide what I'm going to wear in the morning. So I'm more efficient. I'm more productive. All this stuff. Um, you know. And I was like, you know, maybe this will change my life. Never been one of those people that sits for thirty minutes minutes in front of their closet trying to pick out an outfit. But maybe, maybe this is what I need to just invent the next iPhone. So. Wear the same thing for every for thirty days. Um, basically, it was a black T shirt, jeans, sneakers,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and honestly, by the third week, I was like, I was losing my mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, I I don't know what that means. I don't know whether that means like I could never be a Navy SEAL or something like that. I don't have the mental what, toughness. What?
1: But. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll zip ahead there, and uh, the listeners know this, but I definitely wear the same thing every day. And have for probably five years. I mean, right. I, not, I don't even think about it. I'm wearing a hoodie today, right. but there's a black t-shirt under here and jeans. I don't wear anything different than that ever. So I'm totally, I've been doing that for <laughs> a really long time. That's my, s- um, and I'm curious, w- w- I mean, I don't think it's, re- I don't claim to be more productive or anything like that, but I just hate picking out clothes. But what, does that feel like bad? Like what's so bad? What, you don't have to, th- so, I mean, I don't so understand how that would get, it's just a, it's such difference. a treat
0: uh i typically i wear kind of the same thing too i wear like a hoodie and a t-shirt and jeans different ones and sneakers different ones uh i had the same pair of jeans i had a few t-shirts i had like three t-shirts but honestly i think i think it was just i had to do laundry a lot i was like this is garbage
1: you had to do Um, laundry more often
0: you would have to. I think. I think that's what it. Di- I think that's what it came down to. There's a difference between wearing kind of the same thing and wearing the yeah, it, exact same thing. Yeah. Every single day.
1: I see what you mean on that. I, I. I just wondered for other people. You know, how much of it is tied to judgment from other people as a factor, which I don't care. And then there's the part about it where you're actually positively getting to make choices and express things and show yeah. them. You know, like. You Know, I, I imagine people choosing clothes are making an expression that they value, yeah. I imagine, yeah, that could be
0: it. I mean, for me, I don't think it's a judgment thing as much. I, uh, I don't think people really care that much. <laughs> what I, I, I wouldn't presume to think people care that much about what I'm wearing on a daily basis, um, self expression, maybe, um. But I think, I think it's more just having the option, mm-hmm. right? I'm more, I'm just like one of those people that, you know, if you tell me what to do, I'm like, fuck oh, that, yeah. I'm not going to do that shit. Totally um, right. and so just having to abide by a rule that I set for myself every single day and having to wear the same thing, mm-hmm. I felt like I was in some kind of like...
1: Oh, just yeah. to no in reality well, well, where I that,
0: like, couldn't wear different clothes.
1: <laughs> well, that's funny, though, because you've turned it into a rule when it's supposed to be. I always feel like yeah. it's a rule that I have to wear other things or people are going to start making fun of me. Right. And so I break that rule by just wearing the same thing every day. But exactly. it's also that informal thing that we I mentioned before. But it's like if you can get to a place where you don't have to be wearing – like think about the opposite of it. A, a uniform, a military, right. like it's right. it's necess Those things are necessary. The policemen need must wear uniforms. They must, that's, and they look
0: really uncomfortable. Yeah, but they know. have
1: to because it, 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 <laughs> it. There's a reason for it. And then yeah. people used to wear hats and take their hats off, and, and it's all part of this manners and society. And go all the way back to England, and whatever colonial England. That's horrible. You sure. have to wear the wig. You got to do the thing. You gotta, all this stuff. So man, is it progress to have no rules and be informal? Like, look, how oh, yeah. this is this is great. Like the fact that I know, we're right. Getting. We're living and Silicon Valley is a good example of that they're way out there. They're ahead of everybody else so much so that they have less formality than the rest mm-hmm. of us. Um, I like the one about the unbanked people and I hadn't Ooh. really done a lot of thinking about that. You want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. Tell so, um, was. yeah, so the story is about PayPal, uh, basically rolling out features for people that don't keep their money in banks. And, uh, the gist of that is, you know, if you see those, uh, cash for checks places, mm-hmm. um, around that's for people that don't have their money in banks. Check and cashing they need, places. Yeah. Check cashing places. Lender, so,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they need to get money now and they don't, they can't just go to a bank and cash a check. Um, mm-hmm. the problem with that is, there's fees associated with that, so it's a really raw deal for those people. Um, and then, obviously, there's the like stereotype of you think of your grandma who just like has all her money in gold bars under her bed or something uh-huh. like that, right? Um, so these companies, fin- fintech, financial tech is super hot right now, um, and companies like PayPal, Venmo, all these all these people are competing for the same audience. And this is kind of like the final frontier. Uh, of customers that they can possibly reach. These are people that have never had a bank and, but they do have cell phones. So they're trying to, uh, that's kind of new. There's always
1: been people that are unbanked, but they're typically poor people, right?
0: Yeah. They're typically lower income um, people,
1: but we're seeing more people now that are not just poor people that have smartphones, but actually people that aren't poor at all that are Mm -hmm. opting out of banking.
0: Well, I don't think more, I I don't think that, well, actually, I think there are a lot of young people mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily opening traditional check- checking accounts mm-hmm. um, because they can use online services like, you know. Yeah. PayPal and that sort of thing. There's clearly um,
1: money in it because yeah. I see them offering bonuses for signing up, like money bonuses for just getting the app and using it and sending a friend money and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was curious about how the money is working. And I think the cash app is saying they can you can buy Bitcoin with it now and do that. Is it merge? Like unbanking seems like it's merging, will merge with crypto, obviously.
0: Yeah, I would assume. I mean, and then there's, com- there's apps like Robinhood that's free stock trading,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, makes it super easy even if you have no idea what you're doing you can just buy stock (laughs) on your cell phone and then you just feel like warren buffett right you're like i bought one facebook stock i'm a mogul (laughs)
1: that's right that's right um Um, you know one that i am going to try to implement i have the same i think you wrote this one but the the five minute rule
2: mm, yeah
1: i think that one is is uh really interesting because i have this well, I guess everybody has a problem. I just thought I don't mind details very well. And I always <laughs> operate under this thing where I say, well, it's either I'm excited about it or it's an emergency. And I find myself always doing one of those two things. And when you wrote about that, I was like, oh, well, there's a solution. It's not, you know, it's nothing to be proud of that I'm that way. Well. Yeah,
0: I feel that. I um, I am a notorious text ghoster and uh, bad email responder. My inbox is a nightmare. Um so that's kind of what I have to do. <laughs> if I don't, I have to create this sense of urgency. Otherwise, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partially a factor of writing on... I'm always writing on daily deadlines. So if something doesn't have a 24-hour deadline, I'm like, well, I can wait. I can push that till tomorrow.
1: But it's not going to uh, come You're not going to think about it tomorrow.
0: Exactly. I'm not going to think about it tomorrow. So the premise is, you know, if it's going to take five minutes or less, just do it. And then you won't have to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night like, oh my God, my... And part of this, this kind of started because my, uh, my high school writing English teacher Mm -hmm. emailed me, um, about six months ago and three months ago, I realized I just never responded and i was like man you're yeah. a bad, bad person, person. Right. this is i think horrible. i'm a bad person all the time like she changed my life she's one of the reasons <laughs> i became a writer <laughs> truly one of the most pivotal people i, exactly I have you. ever known you know the most impactful people on my life and trajectory and you know just forgot I'm like, oh man, I'm a garbage person. So it's like, I need to lock it down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And so the rule, it would be anything. Is it just email or you do that with just other tasks in life? I
0: mean, other tasks too. I like, you know, I'll have coworkers just ask me for little things throughout the day. And if I don't do it right, if it takes five minutes or less, like the act of them asking has already created the distraction, right? right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I might as well just get it done and, uh, and move on with my life. It's like a no
1: snooze. It's like no snooze.
0: Exactly, which I do not apply to my actual snooze button. I snooze my alarm for like 30 minutes
1: a day. But not on email, (laughs) not doing the dishes, and not Not doing a favor for a friend. They're replying to an English teacher. Now, my English teacher in high school, I have the opposite relationship than you. (laughs) She told me that I would not succeed.
2: Oh, <laughs> something like cool. that.
1: About at, at graduation, she said I would oh, flunk man. out of college and and not do good. Because well, look at you now. Like, well, it remains it. to be seen whether she's right or not. But <laughs> we'll see. But yeah. I do the same thing. Like uh, with the, it's feels like a ba- a bad person. Is it, that's funny that you say it that way because that's exactly how I feel. Because I know this is probably an important thing to another person. Yeah and it's not to me, and I should do it, that just means I'm a bad person, you know? So
0: yeah, that, that really yeah. is
1: what it feels like. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm disrespecting other people because I'm not ready to do that right now, and then I forget.
0: Well, I think you nailed it. <laughs> I think we're both bad people, and we just, we, we figured it out. So we just have to... Uh, I'm,
1: I haven't tried it yet, system. but I'm going I'm to see if I can apply yeah, that. But If, if I can accomplish a thing right away, there's no, you must make yourself do it is the rule, right? How to do it and you yeah. do that since you wrote the article you still make is that 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 long sustainable for you
0: I mean you have to be honest with how long something's mm-hmm. gonna actually take right yeah, that's true but I think it actually does work I know it's helped with dishes
1: <laughs> I've seen you write a few times about uh Spotify Mm, so yeah. do you paid particular attention. I'm a musician for career, and then now podcasting. So both in Spotify's awesome. world, so I've been around in that industry since sure way thing. before it came out. You know, I've been uh, releasing music since 2003. Um, but so I'm interested in that whole area. But you seem to cover it a good bit. What do you? What do you? Uh, what's your? Yeah, interest I mean it's there? really,
0: it's really interesting. It's such a double edged sword. Because um, on the one hand, you know, it kind of opens. In some ways, it evens the playing field for uh, smaller musicians to get more um, viewership and listens on a platform with a massive audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's not exact. It's, unless you're a major, you know, pop star, you're not making bank on like, no one's ever made bank on a streaming platform unless you're, you know, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, something like that. You know, you're making all your money from touring still. Um, and, or playing festivals now, which is a whole other interesting trend uh, in the music industry. But, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it's no different from, you know, big uh, big produce, producers. And they they partner with a ton of big productions um Big label, so like I think they partnered with Sony. I want to say they partnered with the big three. Uh, yeah.
1: When they made labels. the company, they went in big yeah. with the record companies, and there, there really is an element of that that screws over artists, or did, or or, or was right. an, it was engineered to, to be honest. And it's kind of different now, but I think what happened there was like basically the big record labels that went in with Spotify kind of, I don't know if you'd use the word collude, but they, mm-hmm. they said, I'll tell you what, if we're going to get profits from Spotify, the company, we'll negotiate a very low rate for the artists, but we'll mm-hmm. win on the backside of that because of we'll win on the company right. side. But the artists, meanwhile, the, the percentage that they get paid on, at that time, all the artists were getting paid about 15%, and then they had to recoup and pay up all, all the stuff. But they were getting about 15% mm-hmm. of what the label collects in dollars from you know, CD sales or whatever it is. So then mm-hmm. when they negotiated what should be the streaming rate, nobody knew and then they came up with a fractional tiny tiny amount that right. it could have been higher, it could have been Yeah,
0: it, they, just it, it. yeah they just picked and
1: it. They just picked it and said, "Well, it doesn't matter because we'll get paid on if as long as the platform wins, we as Spotify investors will win." And we can compromise our artists. So that was, you know, wrong from a point yeah. of view of an artist, but now it's different because at this point it's it, it is what it is it landed the way it is everything is the way and there are a good many artists that i know that actually do p- really well but it's only if they're on the right playlist and if they get things right and if they That's own right. their own music so if you get a half a cent per right. stream but you don't have a label that actually works out okay like if you totally. so now you know and, and it kind of hurt the labels in the end cuz if you're an up and coming artist, I don't know. Maybe you don't. If you're if you're able to succeed without a label, okay. Now you get a hundred percent of your streaming. And so for the people that do get most of their streaming money in the indie world that I'm in, there's definitely some people that that I know that actually make livings on it. But it's completely dependent on playlist. And you right. wrote an article about play, exactly. play Ola. Tell us what you learned about about yeah, what's going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. So there. I
0: mean, like, it's kind of grassroots PR for. Bands that don't have labels, or you know, or are just breaking into the scene, there are kind of there are high profile playlist curators on Spotify that have massive followings. They update their playlists every you know day or every mm-hmm. week, um, and if you get on that playlist, you're guaranteed thousands or even millions of streams. Right. Um, and so there's kind of a black there's a lot of back channels that are you know not exactly pay to play, but they're pretty close to it. Um, How does
1: it work, though? I mean, what? who's paying yeah, who, so, or what are the workarounds So for uh,
0: traditionally, it works similar in the way to people who pitch stories to journalists. So payola um, in the radio world is like, okay, people are paying radio stations to play their music, mm-hmm. right? So in this case, it would be people paying uh, playlist curators to, play, to put their songs on playlists. Now, Spotify banned this recently, but one, it still happens. Two, um, there are kind of ways around this. So there are platforms that people have created that just, you know, kind of connect um, artists to playlist create playlists uh, curators. Mm-hmm. And sure, it's not you know direct pay to play, but it's pay you're paying for visibility, and you're p- you're paying to get seen mm-hmm. by these um, curators who then consider your. Um, song for their playlist.
1: Yeah, I've heard some weird things out there, and there's things, and there's scams, and mm-hmm. it's, it's real weird. I'm, I'm interested in the whole intersection of, and it's really an evolution, of like what turns up is just going to be based on the incentives. I mean, you're going to see whatever happened with the payola and radio. It was illegal, but they would still do it, and then you'd get into all these things where they would give a vacation, uh, The label would pay for an all expenses paid vacation to Hawaii for the whoever won a radio contest at a radio station. Like so, you know, when the radio, mm. they would just say, "The third caller wins this super big prize," and that the radio station gets all this mileage out of this thing, and that yeah. was donated by the label. And now they're in, now they have you know they're obligated. So there's always the, yeah. the workarounds to. To stuff like that, and all the back scratching and radio, and then now we've got this, but this one's better than that, though, because it's at least it's still less gatekeepery, and it's mm-hmm. and just like you said, it's curated, and in the a lot of the same ways, it's kind of like what's happening with with the news and the information here. Like yeah. it's it's like I think the future is going to be so full. Like curation itself is the new art form. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean there there've been museum curators and mm-hmm. art gallery curators for forever and yeah. um
1: I think it's going to it's kind of m- going to multiply going forward though cuz now there's so much media there's so much more yeah. like that it's like well that's why I like the hustle because it's like they, oh, good, good, good. The stuff that they're interested in, that's the stuff I like. It's one of the types of things that I like. Mm-hmm. So I would never find these. I'm not going to build the RSS feed or the aggregator and yeah. do all the stuff you can do. You're doing the work for me. And I love it. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, but and the key thing is there is you have to have a really strong, uh, sense of what you think is interesting.
1: Right. Yep. It's, it's um, a confidence. It's an art form. It's expressive. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. that stuff.
0: Um, and you know, for example, I've, I didn't really get into this, but we all come from really different backgrounds, really exce- like eccentric places that yeah. kind of contribute to how we choose stories. But uh, Sam and John are two co-founders. They, um, Sam, I think they both before this uh, were in a joint venture called Apartment List, that was like a roommate matching company. But before that, Sam like sold hot dogs he had his own hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. John, our other co-founder was a recruiter. I went to school for engineering actually. So I was I had a bunch of weird jobs worked in a uh, a glue lab doing research on like surgical glue and then I worked <laughs> like I was overseeing mouse studies in the stem cell lab and like I had to like my job every single day was to rub mice with lotion. It was like <laughs> crazy. It was like nothing to do with news you know, but uh, like all of these weird experiences and perspectives have given us given us kind of like this holistic uh, taste in voice, I think that kind of
1: how is, does you know, how does the revenue model work? In well,
0: this? so, yeah, I mean, that's different than traditional media companies as well. So um, you can kind of l- look at what's happening to a lot of big pub- publishers right now. Um, and it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, Paint you know, that
1: picture. Well, I, 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 yeah. I'm back and forth on that. I, I, people go, well, with all the crazy politics, the news is doing better than ever. And there's so much to report on. And it's a 24 hour news cycle, There's a billion outlets and everybody's whatever. They're using the outrage. They're getting the clicks. And then everybody's saying, well, it's dying, but I can't, I can't even make heads I mean, or tails. I mean,
0: more it. doesn't mean they're making more money, right? you know? So, um, that's the danger with that platforms that have historically relied on Facebook, social media, obviously Facebook made big changes to their algorithm that are kind of kneecapping the, that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the danger when you build uh, distribution on someone else's platform, you have to play by someone else's rules. So we don't monetize through Facebook. Um, we don't monetize through pop-up ads or banner ads on our site. Um, and the reason we don't do that is when you, uh, when you play that game, you have to go for quantity versus quality. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're a BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed's great, they're awesome, but they monetize through ads on their website, which means if they want uh, to get enough eyeballs to make money on their ads, they got to pump out a ton of content every single day um, to get a fraction of the eyeballs on a particular article. Um, And that just means they have to hire giant news teams, giant writing teams, not pay them as much because they can't, you know, you can't sustain that. Yeah. Um, and it's really just going for writing stuff. That's going to get clicks, AKA clickbait. Um, so the, we're lucky because we can consolidate our distribution to a single mailing list. Right. So Uh when we send out a newsletter, we know that hundreds of thousands are, we'll have hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on it. Like no matter, no matter what we're going to send it, people open it, and everyone, we have all of those eyeballs on the same piece of content. Mm-hmm. So when we monetize through ads, they're getting the entire audience, not just whoever clicks on a specific article that's distributed on the web.
1: That's pretty so, nice. So And the ads are in the email, mm-hmm. So the
0: ads are native in the email. Mm-hmm. They're text. They're similar to how we just write our stories. They're mm-hmm. funny, informal, short. Um, yeah, but they often prefer, they perform much better than um, advertisements just on the web because we have a much more intimate kind of human tone mm-hmm. and our readers trust us and they like us. Absolutely. And yeah, so they're more likely to be... Responsive to what we're telling them and that's, click
1: on an ad. That's pretty cool because it's a fi- yeah, it's a fixed. It's like more like podcasting. It's a fixed relationship, mm-hmm. and you actually know your audience size. It's not like we'll see. It's like you're sending out totally. to 180,000 people, whatever, or yeah. the, to a million, and you have an 18% open rate, whatever it is. But yeah. it's so then you can methodically grow. It's, it's a whole different target. I'm glad you said it, brought it up that way. That's helping me understand it. So
0: it's very similar to podcast it, advertising, actually.
1: And so what's important there. This is what's a big – this is, I guess, where, where it boils down to is you're trying to cultivate a relationship with the reader, not maximize eyeballs at any given time on a hit. Right. Like, I mean, we may have some runaway episode where it's titled something crazy or something crazy happens or it just whatever, and it'll be a big spike. Fine. But that doesn't mean the audience necessarily grew. It just means more people may have tuned in or, or one time, and maybe that'll help you grow over time. But really – the name of the game is to continually deliver good stuff to your listener or reader so that mm-hmm. they begin to trust you and your quality. And then you grow that value slowly and over time. And you can, so you can just target, are we losing subscribers or gaining them? And then that's exactly. really, what, instead of how many views did I get on this?
0: Totally. And I that's mean, a big it, difference what is as far is that as getting the incentive
1: you? goes. Exactly. Big difference.
0: Yeah. Huge difference. And I mean, if you're burning and churning readers or listeners for example mm-hmm. it's not really doing advertisers any good right you know you can have big numbers but if they're not engaged and they're not
2: mm-hmm.
0: listening to what you're saying then it's not doing anyone any good and it's also not doing your brand well yeah. because no one you know you could say there are there are giant content platforms that people know exists, but you're like, oh, have you ever read anything by them? And you're like, nah, I don't even really know what they do. (laughs) So what's the, you know, what's the point if everyone knows your name, if no one's actually reading what you're writing?
1: Yes. I mean, and you know, this has been relatively natural for me coming out of indie music since you have 200 people in your hometown that like you and that's enough to start a career. Then you go to other towns and then you go, then you get national or something, whatever. And you just build up what we call a core fan base, and it's a little different and yours, and a little different again in podcasting. But I, you know, it's just it's the way that we build stuff will have a big, big difference, you know, because otherwise we're just the rest of traditional media seems like it's it's in a pinch, right? Is it, mm-hmm. it what is it? What is your assessment from your side of what's going to happen over there with the rest of them, and where's this going?
0: Well, I mean,
1: from the goofy newscaster to the BuzzFeed.
0: Yeah, clickbait
1: to what? I mean, these, neither of those seems sustainable to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem sustainable. I think the key, actually, BuzzFeed's really smart because they're mm-hmm. rolling out products. You know, they have Tasty; they're rolling out physical products that they can monetize that way. But it's really Wait, what's
1: their? Phys- I don't I'm, tell me about that.
0: Oh, so they <laughs> they actually started selling a a cooktop. It's like uh, you know how they have those Tasty cooking videos. Yeah, that are like top down, and it's like a recipe, uh-huh. and it's all in one pan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So they put out; it's basically just like a fancy Wi-Fi connected hot plate. What is it? But it's it it cooks food, so you can like boil food, like water or like put a pan on it, and it's like a cook top, like a stove top thing, a mini stove. You have top. to
1: go to your app to turn it on boil. What's the point I of that? I,
0: I have no idea. But basically, they can sell. It's a physical product they can sell <laughs> that complements their brand, and they can do all that. They do That's like good. a ton of sales on cookbooks and stuff like that. Which is really smart, yeah. um, but they're doing that because uh, that's not you know, news. you can't rely on content. That's yeah, exactly. media—it's
1: I mean, a it's just money. It's just business at that point.
0: Correct. But we're going to have so,
1: to get good media from somewhere somehow.
0: Well, exactly, and there has to be a good model, right? And the, curation is certainly one way, but I don't think original reporting and original um, journalism is dead necessarily. No. I think it just needs to be written for an actual reader in mind. Um,
1: That's, that's it. Yeah.
0: You know, if you don't know your audience and you don't know, you don't, if you, if you can't think of a specific person that would read your article and know why they would love it, then you shouldn't be writing it. It's like, and it's not just people, you know, people don't read newsletters. A person reads something. It's like, obviously on an aggregate level, you have thousands of people, but it has to be, it has to start with one specific person that you think like this story is going to just blow their minds like this is everything that they need in a single story Mm -hmm. and then you just try to grow that
1: yeah you know there's that's the
0: challenge there's
1: a podcasting equivalent of that and it's usually the more amateur i mean the better you are at podcasting the less it sounds like you're talking to a lot of people Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're not, if you're new to it, um, okay, so now I would like to ask, you know, um, in your, you know, you start talking like, oh, yeah. if you if you imagine there's a million people listening or even a hundred, sure. I mean, you talk all funny and it's yeah. harder to talk normal and know people are listening. But if you're writing, same thing, write to just one person. If I think that's exactly what it it's, comes it's down good. to. Yeah. It feels a little scarier, I imagine to some people, but it, if you really were confident, you would be able to do that is somebody like you with your qualifications an editor or a journalist or reporter are they to have that set of skill and be great at it now is it worse now are you less I mean are you better off now with these skills going forward or was it better 10 years ago to have your skill set like it for the industry. Oh,
0: you mean is it <laughs> as a career yeah career like movie? a career
1: yeah like are there more journalists getting paid more overall or they're less and they're get, we're getting less of that
0: uh or, there are, i think there are i don't know if there are more or less writers but i don't think they're getting paid as much
1: <laughs> each one is getting paid less probably yeah. but there are more yeah. of them employed
0: i mean that's hard to say i i don't know the stats on actual you know paid full-time journalists i think there. are I would say that number is probably not increasing. Mm-hmm. I think the amount of unpaid content on the internet is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Right. But unfortunately made by
1: non-professionals of, too, though. Yeah. Non-pro-
0: exactly. Yeah. Non-professional unpaid, you know, just that sort of thing.
1: Contributor. At yeah. Mass, and I mean,
0: so. yeah, exactly. Um, and unfortunately in a lot of ways that kind of commoditizes really strong reporting, um, mm-hmm. and original, you know, well-researched things that are truthful and, um, original um but you know that's it also in a way you have when you have all these individual contributors that big brands like Forbes or you know Mm -hmm. Inc or something like that are just using contributor posts you don't have a consistent brand tone you don't have a recognizable tone you just um have a bunch of content but it all sounds the same it all sounds like it could come from anyone. It's like this anonymous,
1: anonymous. Yeah, that's the kind one of, of the weird. Voice dis- disembodied. Exactly. The text. talking,
0: yeah. ha- like the disembodied.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Voice. Do you think somebody like I mean, you plan on being in this industry? Like, you you have a bunch of years left in your career. You think <laughs> yeah. this is a this is a good? I mean, you'd like to be in this. You think we have a good future of
0: yeah, news? I mean, We're going somewhere, right? Yeah. Wait. I mean, I would like to think. I would like to think so. I would like to think that. Um, content written for, written with humans in mind mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to benefit them, you know, for their own knowledge and uh, empowerment, education, entertainment will well, always have a place. Uh, do you
1: think it'll move, you know, do you think it will, that there's more immersive, non-text based stuff coming in this industry? Do you, sure. Is that something your company thinks about? You're persons? saying, you know, the
0: the classic pivot to video. I'm, is, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just
1: t- I'm just coming from a point of view of a person that's yeah. like I said at the beginning, irritated with text. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's move it along here. I'm just wondering where might we go in the future with sure. and from I mean, if if companies like you that are already innovating in the te- in the text world, mm-hmm. what do you what do y'all think about and plan for a 5 and 10 years with other people? Yeah, so,
0: well, I'm um, and this is not pandering, but I think podcasts mm-hmm. are one of the futures of media, truly. Um, and I think the only thing that's the the only thing that's tough right now, you know, in the podcast space, which you probably hear a lot, is searchability, discoverability mm-hmm. of podcasts, right? So, um obviously there's iTunes, Spotify's getting into podcasts, and I think they'll they'll probably drastically improve discoverability for podcasts and shareability and that sort of thing. But um the you know uh I think that's one direction, one of the future directions of media. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, you know, video is out there as well. Uh but I also think that incorporating it into uh specifically audio is gonna be huge with like Alexa's, all the um mm-hmm. voice AI assistants. And I think that's where things like podcasts are going to win big because it's all going to be uh, voice controlled.
1: I've just started doing a little bit. It was annoying at first and I'm on Apple and I'm telling you that Siri sucks compared to Alexa. Alexa's sharp. You ever use, you, you know, the difference? Yeah, she's Siri? quick. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. believe it. I didn't realize it. That. Amazon had gotten so far ahead because I got a new Sonos that has an Alexa built into it, and she put yeah. it in my daughter's room, and she just freaking tells it to turn the nightlight on, and she tells it to play a song. That? It's crazy, it's and she she is great. And I'm like wow, and I, Siri can't do that stuff. Yeah. So, but I do I think that's real, real, real interesting. Um, that it's interesting. going in a voice way because it's like you know we. It, I'm so biased about it, but I can't. I just, I mean, we're—that's our whole evolution—is us like telling stories and talking to each other. I know the oral other. tradition. And then you just—I look around to them, like, "What are we doing?" You're looking at this crazy text thread. You don't know what the tone is, or if they're being sarcastic. Is this crazy? It's driving me to totally crazy. Totally
0: agree. Oh my god! If I had a nickel for every time I've misinterpreted or been misinterpreted via text, you know, a text or something like that.
1: You know how many um, millions of years it took us to evolve body language? You just disregard it. I just can't. I mean, we just eliminate it. We just stopped using it in, in the last 10 years, and five years. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just jump on the phone with people all the time. Like if I see somebody go back and forth on two emails, like, oh what my are God. you doing? Exactly. Call the man. And then, oh, I hate the phone. Why? Why? I totally it's you feel it's too, faster. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, maybe it's like a vulnerability. But see, to me, when I get on the phone, like you are saying with this email list the way people I I just like kind of thinking about that philosophy that when I'm on the phone with somebody it's intimate it matters what I say matters how I say it I know Mm -hmm. more faster it's more dense it's more rich you know what I mean and so I Mm -hmm. think that's what's so cool about well I like phone and podcasting but you you're doing something that I like in text so that's a big that's that's great. I just think I just I just wanted to share it with other people and get yeah. your thoughts on what goes into making it and, and that kind of thing. That's really been my interest here. So, just curious if you have any more thoughts on what to look for in the future or any bad proclamations about the industry or anything or or, or optimism. I'm just curious for somebody that spends time thinking about it. So, that's yeah, what I Yeah, yeah, for in.
0: sure. I mean, I think that you know, Producing content is not necessarily uh, in and of itself, is, you know, not as always as lucrative as, say, software or something like that. So mm. there's the holy grail of subscription, right? Yeah. Uh, like Spotify, has, you know, and basically any product that we use now, Netflix, all that stuff. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of media outlets trying to figure out subscription products, whether they're media subscriptions or other products and services that's, that serve their users. And I think that's probably going to be a big direction that we start to see mm-hmm. people going in. I
1: think people and, start paying to, like, you know, are we, I'm told I'm on the fence. I don't have a, a thought about it exactly, but some people say that we'll get rid of this ad stuff because it's a problem. Like it's driving mm-hmm. bad practices and incentives. Sure. And then I'll, You know, and eventually it'll be everybody doing what is equivalent of a Patreon or micropayments or crypto payments or or just, you know, man, I'd pay $100 a year for my Facebook to be what I want it to be. But that's not their model and it won't be for now. But maybe it is where we all start just paying more for things and getting used to it. But on the other hand, somebody made an argument to me the other day that is like – I think I'll just keep ads on my podcast be- and not try to get them to support it directly because there's no guilt there. It's like if you like the ad, fine, if not, ignore it. And I'm totally. not going to say but but it's kind of weird to say, "Look, I'm above ads. I don't do ads." Now, you should feel very guilty if you're not giving me money. Which one's more intrusive?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know? think I don't think ads are I we trust our readers enough to know that they're not sheep. They're mm-hmm. not you know, they're not babies. They're full grown adults that can make their own decisions and judgments about what we're telling them. So long as the information we're telling them is factual. Um, and you know, that's, that's totally fine. I think it's more of just what is a sustainable, stable form of income and subscription is always going to be, uh, more stable than something where, you know, you have to make a new product and sell it every single day, you know? Um, So, and it might not even be media companies, I would think, are going to start to look to diversify their income streams from media. Yeah, Um, it'll
1: have to be a mix of things. And it seems by all accounts that more and more advertisers are just coming into the space anyway. Is that what you're seeing with this kind of thing? Like you're able to get better rates than the clickbait things for your dedicated list of developed people, and there's new companies coming in that want that, not the other so
0: yeah that's definitely true um but you also know as soon as you see an influx of advertisers into your space that there's going to be uh an influx of shitty people making shitty content uh, And kind of, you so- know it's a race to the sometimes it can be a race to the bottom as soon as something becomes popular then the space becomes inunda- inundated with you know competitors that sort of thing and um You know, we're always looking for other ways that we can differentiate ourselves and get ahead of the pack. So,
1: yeah. Well, the quality thing is always going to be there. So, that's what you've set up as your incentive. And I congratulate you for doing that in this medium for your company and everything. But it's really, I mean, it's a quality thing. Like, quality will always be (laughs) worth something. I don't know what and how. (laughs) How much? Or, yeah. Well, that'll always differentiate from people who are just, you know, trying to copy the original. Sometimes they get lucky, though, in the meantime. They're able to sure. scam their way in there, but in the end, if you keep working on the quality part, and now the relationship part, being with the reader and all that, then that's the that, that's right way to go. I just wanted to highlight that and tell you, doing great work over there. I appreciate it in, in media. Appreciate so, it. Thanks for talking to me today.
0: Of course. Thank you.
2: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast
0: Network.